Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we're having good response from these shows, and we'll keep on doing them as long as we can. We uh, love you guys uh, uh, tuning in, downloading, and all that. The numbers are great. Two under, the number two, UNDR. Use the code FERRARO20. Save yourself money on twounder.com, the best man's underwear around. And, of course, Project Bags. Check out Project Bags, P-R-O-J-E-K. KT Project Bags, uh, great guys, and they uh, they support us as well. With me on the line, he's been working for the Sportsnet for many years, covering the Vancouver Canuck games, intermission inter- intermission in- interviews, and uh, pieces on Sportsnet.ca. Dan Murphy, what's going on, Dan? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for doing this. No problem. A funny thing about the the two under is is you know uh, who who supplies them. I was given some to give to a couple hockey players, and I never was able to do it because I always felt uncomfortable handing underwear in the parking garage to a guy. I know, right? Exactly. You're like, hey, try this out. If you send me a photo if you can. <laughs> Here's some underwear for you. Um, great company, though. Project, and you travel as much as I do, if not more. Project Bags, I got a backpack. I got the carry-on. I got the big bag. Yeah. Uh, terrific quality. Yeah, no question. I've got the little briefcase and the big bag and the small bag, and I'm currently on a 14-day road trip, so I'm, I'm using them all. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. And the two under, of course, we had the Ferraro 20 code when Ferraro was on the show, but we'll still keep it. Why not? So. <laughs> um, all right. Hey, thanks for doing this. How's Buffalo? <laughs> Buffalo, it's, uh, it's warm. And surprisingly, it's about, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak Canadian here, it's about 14 degrees Celsius, but it is driving rain right now outside, oh, but geez. not too bad. Yeah, not that, that's not so bad, right? Uh, of course, the uh, Canucks 6, 3, and 4 to start the year, and i got to say, I'm a little surprised. Um, I've got some friends who are Canucks fans, and I love bagging on them, but of course, I'm a Maple Leaf fan, so they have a lot on me. But the rebuild on the fly thing that uh, Jim Benning, Trevor Linden doing, um, it's kind of working. It, it, you, Jake Furtanen stepped in, McCann, of course, Bo Horvat. Um, he's probably the uh, most senior of the young kids. This this idea of sort of mixing in the kids with the older Sedins, it's working somewhat, yeah. isn't it? Well, I mean, they have one thing going for them in the fact that they're in the Pacific Division, which has uh, been pretty soft, to say the least, to start this season. Who knows where we'll go from here. Um, but, you know, the one thing going into the season, if, you're, if you read all the experts' picks, and then nobody thought the Canucks would be good. Right. Like, they thought, you know, they're going to be just better than the Coyotes. And, and you know, I was kind of like, you know, and they may not be good, but the team had 101 points last year. Mm-hmm. Are they really going to drop 20 points just like that, just because, like, do we really know that Calgary was going to be as good? Do we really know that Edmonton was going to take a huge step up? Right. Uh, you know, like there was all these, uh, you know, are the Kings really going to be great this year after missing the playoffs last year? You know, what happens? Like, no, there was a lot of unknowns. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't believe they're going to be as good. But I do think that they'll be battling for one of those final playoff spots until the end. And then, you know, whether they make it or not remains to be seen. Right. Uh, that said, they do have to get younger. Um, and they've managed to do that. If, if we would have done this podcast in the summer, 
I would have said Jake Vertanen makes a team, but that's about the only one. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, McCann makes it out of camp. Ben Hutton, who nobody had heard of. Right. A 22-year-old defenseman that played at Maine and, and four professional games under his belt before this training camp, he makes the team. Uh, Brendan Gons has now played a game. You know that there there are a bunch of young guys. You know, at one point there was uh, six players on the active roster, 22 or under. Uh, and this is you know for a mm-hmm. team that's projected to be one of the oldest in the league. So you know it, it remains to be seen. I think that they are a a decent team. I I, I don't think that they are going to be one of the better teams in the league, mm-hmm. but I think they're going to be better than some people think. It's just that they weren't the sexy team going in. Well, and I think, too, you're absolutely right, by the way. Yeah, the, 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 the experts were down on the Canucks. There's no doubt about it. Everything I read, which, uh, which you were right about that. The, the one thing that I think is lost is, yeah, like you said, they were really good last year. Like, they were, like 101 points is, I mean, obviously it's the NHL with the three-point games and everything, but you don't get that by, you know, just kind of being lucky or whatever, you know. So yeah. they have a they have a base. They have something there. No, well, no question. And and you know, um, that was with the. I think that because of the off season they had, and I'm going to go all the way back to you know near the end of last season, they overpaid greatly to keep Dorset and Spiza. Mm-hmm. You know, misread the market. You know, very badly there, not knowing what free agents would get in the summer, and we saw free agents got nothing. Yeah. I mean, Cody Franson didn't get a, a deal until basically on the eve of the season. He got a one-year deal to Buffalo, and that was one of the prize free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one being, you know, Sean Mathias coming out of Vancouver off a career high. He gets a one-year deal in Toronto, as you yeah. know, for 2-3. Right. And people were thinking he was going to get multi-year at 3-5 or more. So they misread the market quite badly by giving uh, uh, Dorsett uh, his money and Spiza, you know, you know who was a third-pairing guy, yeah. you know, $3.6 million a year. Then, in the summer, uh, they decide to trade Eddie Lack to Carolina and keep Ryan Miller, who's more expensive, coming off an injury, and older. And so I think the fan base was down a little bit, thinking that Jim Benning had, had made some big-time errors. Now, maybe they owe a bit of a uh, apology to him for the Ryan Miller thing, because Miller has been their best player so far. Um, but, I mean, I think people were down on the Canucks a little bit because of some of those moves. Right. Uh, and thought that they were going to take a big step back because they had mismanaged a couple of things. Um, but so far, I mean, so good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be an up-and-down year. They're going to have a good game, a bad game, and a so-so game, and that's the way it's going to be for uh, all 82, I believe. Yeah, you mentioned Miller has been their best player, and actually I didn't – I don't. in my notes here, I, have, I haven't watched all the Canucks games at all. I've watched, uh, you know, I don't know, three or four or five, five games. Every game I saw, Ryan Miller has been good. And so I was yeah. going to ask you, yeah, so he's been the best guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and he's 35 years old, though, mm-hmm. and, and all the numbers say that goaltenders after the age of 35 uh, steadily go downhill, especially if you don't give them rest. Um, and Jacob Markstrom, he's kind of, along with Thatcher Demko, mm-hmm. is kind of the future in terms of goaltending for this team. He got hurt the day before the regular season. So all of a sudden you've got Ryan Miller forced to play, you know, all the games except one in the first month of the season mm-hmm. uh, with Richard Bachman playing the one-off. Uh, which is not ideal for guys 35. I mean, no. I, I think they want him to play, uh, you know, 55 to 60 games this year. Well, uh, he's off to a start that's going to average him more than that. Um, <laughs> so I think they really have to watch his minutes. Uh, the one thing with Miller is that when he came to Vancouver, uh, he had to adjust his style a bit. He's always been so aggressive. And Roy Melanson, the goaltending coach in Vancouver, wanted him to be, you know, uh, you know a little bit uh, more stable in the net, mm-hmm. uh, not quite as aggressive, uh, get more on the top of the blue paint and not above it. Um, and I think he, he, he's starting to come his own with that, but he's kind of 
it's a bit of a hybrid. He, he is going back to a bit of his old style mm-hmm. along with the Melanson, and I think he takes a lot out of what Carey Price has done in Montreal. He's kind of trying to copy Price with having the hybrid style, and it's worked out well for him because he says it allows him to have his, you know, to stay in the fight, to kind of play the way he wants to play, but perhaps uh, play the percentages a little bit more. So I think being more comfortable in the style after one year has helped him a little bit as well. How tough is it when you see Melanson to not just yell out, Roly the goalie? Over and over. <laughs> I think it's more hard for the the kind of the the black aces because he puts the guys to their paces on on after the team's done their morning skate or yeah. when there's an optional and he crushes guys. So I think <laughs> more guys don't, don't like. I think right. they'd like to yell that out more than I would. Right. Hey, I was surprised going into the season. Like, look, Jacob Markstrom, big guy, uh, uh, number one future star, hockey news, Florida Panther guy. Um, you know, traded over to to Vancouver, and we'll get to. I want to talk to you how the Canucks somehow managed to lose Locke, Lack, Schneider, and Lou. Uh, but um, but so I was surprised they essentially made a choice of we're going to go Markstrom over Eddie Lack, and you know both got one got one and one are lost on, on waivers, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why did they do? I was surprised along with everybody else. What was do you think was the reasoning behind that? Well, I think they believed. Well, first off, they made their mind up that they weren't going to trade Ryan Miller and Jim Benning. Uh, told the season ticket holder event in the summer that he took calls on Ryan Miller and could have traded him, and he got mm-hmm. booed. That's the season ticket holder event. Yeah. He got booed. <laughs> and I, I believe that Elliot Friedman has since reported that team was San Jose. They, w- they would have taken him. Right. Um, then I guess they figured that of the two remaining guys, they would get more for Eddie Lack. I mean, he was more proven. Not by a lot. Which is but true. He was yeah. great down yeah. the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. But again, they didn't get a ton for him. But I think they said, uh, you know, this is what the most we can get for him. This is what the market bears. Let's move him out, not lose a guy on waivers. So, um, you know, I think that Eddie Lack was the more proven guy because, let's face it, I mean, uh, Jacob Markstrom was fantastic in the American Hockey League last right. year. And I talked to Dave Nonis uh, in Anaheim this year. I saw him there. And, and I said, do you think he's now ready? He said, there's no question. He's, he's finally ready to make the step because he's never been able to translate minor league success to the NHL. His first start last year in the NHL, everybody was ready to see him play. He plays against San Jose, gave up three goals and six shots. He was pulled in the first period. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there, there's still lots of questions on him, but uh, some say he's finally ready uh, to play in the National Hockey League. And I guess we'll have to wait and see. He's in Utica now, flew with the team yesterday. Mm-hmm. He'll have a couple of games on a conditioning stint and then come back and play. So, uh, you know, I think that was probably the reasoning. They thought they could get a little bit more for lack. Yeah. Um, Miller were going to be their guy, so they, they just wanted someone that – uh, could play, you know, 15, 20 games, 25 games this year. Right. And if he is, you know, he's a little, you know, obviously he's 20, what, 26. Yeah, he's older uh, now, right? Thatcher Demko coming in. Right. You know, they could have two very good young goaltenders uh, once Ryan Miller's done with his contract here. He's got one year left at six mil. Yeah, they definitely could have kept, could have went with a Markstrom-Lack tandem and traded yep. Miller, like you said. And uh, yeah. and, and, think, and I think people, experts, quote-unquote, would have been, all right, okay, here they are, they're, they're going young. But, you yeah. know, because the there fan is. fan base would have yeah. been fine with that, too. Yeah, sounds like it, right? There is no doubt that uh, um, Miller has worn down, has gotten hurt in the last, you know, two, three, four years. So um, the Brandon Sutter Bonino trade, how's that working out? What's the early return? What do you think? Well, there's another move that, that, you know, the fan base wasn't real happy with because you went, Mm -hmm. you know, you traded for a guy who's, you know, historically been a third line center. I know he had no chance to move up in Pittsburgh, obviously, with Crosby and Malkin, but, um, you know, his high uh, high watermark was 40 points in a season. And all of a sudden, you're uh, bringing him in uh, to be a you know a franchise type player and giving him you know close to five million mm-hmm. a year. Uh, and you know people were a little bit skeptical. And then you go into the preseason. He's supposed to be your second line center, right? 
Bo Horvat outperforms him. Man, Bo Horvat was probably the best player in the preseason for the Canucks. Yeah. So Horvat moves up into the second-line center spot. Then you're keeping Jared McCann. They don't want to play him on the fourth-line center at that point, so he's your third-line center. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, what do we do with Brandon Sutter? <laughs> you know, by default, he was a first-line winger. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it kind of got a, a little bit misplaced there. But he has been pretty good so far this year. I will say that. He's off to a decent start. He's given himself some breathing room. Because there been, could have been a ton of pressure on him. Uh, he's back to the middle where he belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing on the power play and the penalty kill. I think he's better suited for the penalty kill. And they should probably look to moving McCann onto the power play. But that's you know, a question yeah. for Willie Desjardins. Um, but so far, so good. I mean, uh, Benino, you know, uh, he's got good offensive skill. Yeah, I like Benino. Uh, Whenever I watch the game, he's like a water bug out there last year. Like he was, yeah. you know, he was exciting. Yeah, he had a great start, but I, I, he wasn't great down the stretch, mm-hmm. and he was off in the playoffs. So uh, that allowed, uh, you know, letting him, you know, go. I don't think the, the fans were too, too upset with it. Mm-hmm. But he was only making one three. Yeah, you know, he was really cheap, and that made it easier. Uh, you know, in terms of cap management, um, in terms of, and his point production was just as good as Sutter's for that matter. So mm-hmm. uh, it remains to be seen, but I think they're going to give Sutter every chance uh, to succeed, especially after the contract and the term they gave him. Yeah, really. Did I see that uh, Verbata is now back with the Sedins? They finally uh, went back to that tried and true combo? Yeah, well, I mean, it was uh, Whitley Desjardins fought it for so long, <laughs> and, and nobody understood why. I mean, I, he was always saying, we want to spread out the scoring, want to make sure we're tough to defend against, right. but. You know what? You got to make sure your primary scoring is good before you worry about your secondary. Yeah. And the Twins weren't going, and Verbata wasn't going, so he finally put them together. And then I think uh, Verbata scored three goals in four games, so they are back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been working. Uh, but you know, he has options if he wants to spread it out. You know, Burroughs can play up there, Hanson can play up there, and now Sutter can play up there. So, um, you know, Desjardins is a guy who's always been uh, a coach who's liked to roll four lines, like. And he used it to success last year. People were skeptical because they just came off Tortorella, who played, mm-hmm. you know, his fourth line guys two minutes a night, if that, and never saw the ice in the third period and just rode the crap out of his top right. guys. Like the Twins and Kessler that year were, I think, all top six in the league in terms of forwards ice time. Yeah. Um, so he started to roll four lines. It worked. And then this year, Desjardins wasn't trusting the kids, and he went back to sitting the kids in the third period, and the Canucks couldn't protect the lead. So the last couple of games, he's rolled four lines much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, two games ago against Philly, no Canuck forward had more than 16 minutes of ice time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. I've never seen that before yeah. in my life. Yeah, especially, you know, like, especially when you got high end. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, they didn't play. Uh, they, nobody got to 16 minutes. So uh, it seems like he's going to use uh, that approach, and it worked very well last year. And, and I think as long as he trusts – Vertan and a McCann, and you know, and let's let's them make some mistakes, which they're going to make as teenagers. Uh, I think that's the best way to develop them, and and really, that's the best way the Canucks have had success this year. And and so obviously, uh, Vertanen's played ten. He's in. He's there. They, yeah. They well, yeah. They. I mean, if people go online and, and check out on the uh, Canucks TV or the Canucks YouTube channel, they kind of had the prank with them. Uh, it was Sunday. <laughs> okay. And uh, they had all the guys in the room, and they were doing a, a typical video session, but. Uh, Desjardins had all these clips of McCann and Vertan and just, you know, crap in the bed, <laughs> all the mistakes, and was just leaning on them and saying, what are you doing here? We need more from you here. You've got to defend. You can't just score goals. This is bad. And at one point he even said he showed a, a clip of uh, Oliver ekman Larson running Vertan from behind and knocking him down, and, and you can hear Desjardins saying, you've got to get up faster. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Vertan right. after said, like, I was thinking to myself, do I need to talk to this guy after? That really hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, so he the coach does the video session, leaves in a huff, 
And then a couple players weigh in, like Ham Hughes goes after them a bit, Burroughs a little bit, and Horvat until Horvat finally, you know, announces welcome to the team, boys. So, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. And it's all on TV. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all on the YouTube channel now. So they really made the kids sweat before telling them they were going to stay, right. you know, past the 10-game mark. Now the next threshold is the 40 games on sure. the roster. Right. Um, that's where you burn a year of um, free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, if they regress a little bit, uh, and Team Canada wants them, and the Canucks can afford to give uh, one or both to Team right. Canada for the World Junior. That could happen, but for now they're with the team. Uh, and you know they were said, you know, get settled. You're going to be here for the next little while. This is the stuff, Dan, that really pisses me off as a Leaf fan because they never have just two kids come in and like, oh, pleasant surprises. That doesn't happen. God, yeah, it makes well, me jealous. Well, you know what? It never happened with the Canucks either. You know why? It's true. Because right. they never drafted yeah, they, any kids yeah. that could play. They didn't have very good drafts, right, for a long exactly. time. For five years, whenever, like, you know, I covered the Canucks Prospects uh, mm-hmm. Tournament, or the, the Young Stars up in Penticton. And, you know, every year, it, you know, Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, Edmonton's, you know, got all these Ooh. topics. <laughs> for five years, all we talked about was Cody Hodson. That's true. You know, I was the only guy. Hey, what happened to him? Like, What's going on? Like, obviously, look, there was some there was some off ice stuff. I think his parents and the management were uh, yeah, fighting and a little and bit. Coach, but look, it was Elaine Vignola at that time. Vignola, you know. he's tenth overall, right? Ninth overall, whatever he was. He was yeah. the best player outside of the uh, best player in junior, best player outside of the NHL by many people's accounts. Yeah, and man, like, and, and like, it's not just it wasn't just the Canucks mis, misuse of him. Something's gone on because well, the, the thing was here or here in Vancouver. Uh, they had him in the third-line center spot, but he wanted more. And, you know, the Canucks weren't going to let him jump Ryan Kessler or Henrik Sedin at that point. Mm-hmm. Right? He couldn't move up the lineup. He wanted more ice time. So uh, that was the problem in Vancouver. I don't think he trusted the coach. The coach didn't trust him, uh, although he was playing on the power play and he was getting some minutes. So yeah. uh, moved yeah. him out for Zach Cassian. Um, and, peop- you know, and then he goes and gets the big contract in Buffalo. And, I, you know, I don't want to say he got fat and happy because this was one of those kids that was in the Gary Roberts uh, school of training, right? Mm-hmm. He was eating the goji berries and the quinoa and uh, yeah, yeah. and doing all that in the summer. But some said that, you know, once he got the big deal, uh, perhaps he relaxed a little bit. Now he's in Nashville. I heard he you know, went to Sweden to take skating lessons yeah, this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe he'll have a bit of a rebirth. But it's just shocking to me because uh, when he was in the proper spot, you know, they gave him a lot of offensive zone starts, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Played him on the third line against, uh, you know, the, not the toughest competition. Uh, you know, he really produced as well in the second unit power play. But maybe he wanted too much too soon. Yeah, I thought he was doing fine. Like, his arc was fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was, it was just coming. You know, it was going to be a natural thing. And then the whole thing exploded. And look, he's on his third team already. Um, you know, so it was just a weird deal for sure. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Sedins, um, you know, at one time, I think, well, what year they drafted? 99? Was 99. 99. Yeah. I think at one time people were kind of like, Hey, these guys are kind of busts for being second and third overall. There yeah. was a little bit of that out there. Can you believe that now looking back? Like people, they just took a, maybe a little bit longer to get going, but I, my point of this, the question is, it must be just a treat to have been seeing these guys grow over the years, and they seem like ultimate professionals. They just seem like like well, they're Swedes, right? So Swedes are low yeah. maintenance, just that kind of yeah. that kind of character. But um, must be cool to be around them um, day in and day out. Well, yeah, I mean, you go back to your right. Like for the first two, three years of, of their NHL careers, um, people thought they were bust. They were easy to pick on, looked a little funny, you know, couldn't skate. <laughs> Uh, very quickly, you know, played kind of a weird game, uh, you know, weren't real physical, 
Um, and, you know, they've admitted that at times they were just ready to pack it in and go back to Sweden. But I think Trevor Linden's the one that said, listen, it's going to be all the more sweeter when you make it stick mm-hmm. around. Um, they are the lowest maintenance, high profile guys I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it since 2001, 2002. Um, they, you know, it's true in terms of they work hard at anywhere else. They, I think they've been the top tested, or at least in the top three of the Canucks for eight or nine years running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're getting a little, you know, 34 now, uh, a couple of years after this left in their deal. So they are coming to the end. But um, in terms of the way they play and the style of game they play and some of the things that they, you know, you know, the, 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 the slap pass and the power play, I mean, that was theirs. Yeah. And now all these teams use it, the drop pass and the power play. I mean, they use that when Noel, uh, sorry, not Noel, uh, uh, Newell, I can't remember his first name. Anyway, he's an assistant in Anaheim now. Yep. Uh, they used that with him. They brought that up, and now it's used by many teams. So, I mean, they really pioneered a few different ways to play the game. Uh, you know, they're not overly powerful. Uh, they don't shoot it hard. They can't skate fast. And yet, you know, and yet you've <laughs> right. got a good chance for both to be in the Hall of Fame. So they both want to not Ross. It's insane. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think it, they have. You know, yeah. It, yeah. You know, and uh, also Newell Brown was a guy. I'm Newell Brown, for. yeah, yeah. Um, so... You know, yeah, it has been a treat. I mean, they're they're a heck of a fun a lot to be around. They're they're funnier than you would think. Okay, I was going to ask you what they're like. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they're definitely funnier than you think. They they've got me one time early. It was in Pittsburgh at the Igloo, and at that time while we set up for our TV interviews, your back is to the Canucks dressing room. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I had asked for, I believe I'd asked for Daniel because they'd won the game. Mm-hmm. And so I was live on the air, and all of a sudden Daniel came up to my right. And uh, he's in his suit already. They hadn't showered. Yeah. And so I did the interview, and then he walked away. Anyway, so I got on the plane, and I, at that point I could tell them apart. But um, they're walking towards me, and I see Henrik wearing Daniel's suit, and I thought, oh, my God, they got me. <laughs> so I asked for Daniel. They sent out Henrik, who did the interview yeah. with Daniel. So oh, that's the geez. only time they got me live on the air. And nobody yeah. at home would ever know the difference. Yeah, no, I can't. I don't know. I don't know the difference. I really don't. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can tell now. It took me a couple of years right. or two, three years, but now I can tell. So they're good that way. You know, they're uh, pretty funny guys, uh, really salt of the earth. Um, well, they're Swedes, yeah. right? Like, think about yeah. how many got like, Finns yeah. and Swedes. They're, I know some from the motocross racing circles, and they're just good guys. They're all, I mean, yeah. they can drink like no other. Uh, yeah. but, but, you know, but. Well, the Finns. Yeah, the Finns, Finns can, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but they're just really good people, and there's no egos, right? Like, no, no, they've been. Uh, I mean, I. Again, like the people, I think that when they're gone, people will realize how special they were mm-hmm. because they still have those shifts where you're like they possess the puck for a minute and a half and come up with a big time scoring yeah. chance. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, I, I hope the Canucks have some players that can take over the top line spot soon. They haven't been able to find those players right, yet right. because the Canucks, should, I mean, the Twins should settle into a second line role. Um, fairly soon, mm-hmm. but I, I still think they can be effective because, you know, let's face it. I mean, some some players lose a step. The Twins never had a step to lose, so I think <laughs> yeah. aging, their style of game, uh, you know, can still be a little mm-hmm. bit effective. I, I think of, you know, uh, the way they play, the cycle game. It reminds me of Andrew Brunette late in his career, and he was still pretty effective into his uh, into yeah. his thirties. No, absolutely. Yeah, they 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 have a simple game. When you watch them, they don't they don't you're not like oh look at that like you said no no they're not fast they don't have this wicked cannon they you just and but yet they're getting it done. So yeah, maybe they will age a little more gracefully, right? Well, and people are saying, man, they're, they're they're done. Well, you know what? They finished more points per game last year than Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, uh, Tyler Sagan. Like they, they had more points per game than these guys. They were top ten in the league in scoring. So they're not dead just yet. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and what do you think? Like greatest Canucks of all time? I mean, are they are they there? Yeah. You know. I, I mean, I we mean, got Linden, and you know, you got Nasland, but. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think you would have to, you'd have to put them up there. I mean, Naslin was the the all-time leader in scoring when he mm-hmm. uh, when he retired, or when well, not when he retired, when he left the Canucks to go to New York. Yep. Um, but I would, if you ask me, who are the greatest Canucks of all time, I would probably put them in terms of, I'd probably put Pavel Burry in them. Sure. You know, Burry, of course, didn't have a, a, a long career in Vancouver, right. but long enough for me to say that in terms of you just. If you're just talking players, yeah, in terms yeah. of excitement and skill, mm-hmm. Burry would be there. But if you're talking about longevity and what they meant to the franchise and the community and everything like that, then the Twins would have to be top of the list. And it's too bad that Luongo didn't win a cup because I think he would have been right there too. Yeah, really right. Uh, Horvat, uh, ninth overall, uh, thirteen, I think. The, um, I, I mean, I guess he's just—he's not looked upon as a scorer, really, right? Like everything I read mm-hmm. about him when I watch him, people are like, "Hey, he's, he takes care of his own end. He's a solid mm-hmm. player." Uh, I don't know if he was, you know, ninth overall was a little bit too high for him. But what's he been like? What's his ceiling? Do you think he's been much better than I thought he would be? Yeah. Um, he, you know, skating was the knock, mm-hmm. uh, and now he, his speed this year is noticeable. Um, you know, he, he he's gotten off to a bit of a slow start this year in terms of point production, but it's not for lack of chances, and they're going to come. Um, you know, it's amazing that the coach trusts him. He's only 20 years old. Let's mm-hmm. not forget that. Uh, if there's a late face-off, he'll send him out, protecting a lead. Um, I think he's a, you know, he's a, he's a real solid 200-foot player, but he's got much more offensive upside than I ever thought he would. And let's put it this way: um, Canuck fans aren't that bitter with the trade anymore for Corey Schneider, and that says a lot. <laughs> that says because right, right. I thought that was one that would never ever be let go. Uh, by Canucks fans, and now they're like, okay, we're happy with Horvat. Yes, I think, ideally, Corey Schneider should have been their goaltender uh, moving forward um, for many years, but they're not nearly as angry as they once were, and some will say we're happy with with that deal now straight up. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'll get into that. So at one time, the Canucks had Luongo and Schneider. Mm-hmm. And even Eddie Lack, who, I mean, we'll see. what I don't think that we know for sure that what Eddie Lack can be is in Carolina right now. But yeah. anyway, they somehow blew both of it. It was an incredible, to me anyways, and Dan, you're way closer. I'm on the couch watching. To me, it was an incredible mismanagement of, of really a couple of superstars and yeah. in, in the most important position maybe in all of sports. And, yeah. you know, luckily Ryan Miller's been okay and he's – off to a good start, but yep. how do you how do you lose both of them? Well, to me, it comes down to this: where they blew it was uh, Mike Gillis mm-hmm. overestimated what people would pay for Roberto Luongo. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I mean, once you decided that Corey Schneider was your guy, right? You should have moved Luongo for the contract alone. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, just, it doesn't matter yeah. what you get back. Yeah, yeah. Just, just hey, take the take the Don't deal. Don't get right. greedy. Move him out. Say, you know, thanks for all you've done. Um, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and, and good luck in your next chapter. Because, uh, you know, people knew that, that Gillis was, you know, he was, he was going to be tough to trade him. Now, uh, we all remember my contract sucks at the deadline. Right. The Leafs strung out Gillis there, tried to get him to take salary back, and Gillis was, you know, said, screw it, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then he realized that the only way he could make it, you know, this situation go away was to get something for one of them. And the only one he was going to get some good return for was... 
Corey Schneider. Yeah, so, but still. In my mind, <laughs> he blew it when he didn't trade Luongo for nothing. Yeah, yeah. Right? That was the mistake. He thought he could have his cake and eat it too, and he couldn't. And, um, I mean, look at Luongo. I mean, what is he, 30, is he 36? 36, and look at the start he's had. Yeah. He can still play too. Yeah. But oh, yeah. they yeah. should have traded him, kept Schneider, because I think Corey Schneider is going to be a top-five goaltender in the league for 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, when the Schneider trade went down – I think me and most people are like, what? What? What are Everyone. you do? What are you doing? <laughs> Everyone, including Luongo. Yeah, really, right? Like, like the owner went right. down and literally knocked on Luongo's door. This was, you know, mm-hmm. moments before the draft was going to take place. I uh-huh. wanted to tell him personally, and told him. And Luongo says he was gobsmacked. <laughs> like he sat there in stunned silence, saying, right. "Okay, wait, you're trading Schneider, and I'm still in Vancouver still, after all that's right. happened." Right. Like, nobody saw that coming. No. And then when, no. when Bettman said, you know, what if, I think you're going to want to hear this because it was in Jersey. <laughs> right, right. You know, all Canucks fans were like, okay, Corey Schneider traded for the ninth overall pick, and everybody's going, and? Yeah. And? 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 And there was no and. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Larson or, or you know, somebody yeah. like that. Right, right. Something. Um, Luongo, uh, his tenure in Canucks. I mean, look, it was a terrible decision to name him captain. I, not that yeah. I – I mean, I – I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the dressing room, so I don't know how that works. Maybe he was the most, you know, lo- well-loved, uh, you know, disciplined sort of motivational guy. It was a bad ever. decision. Okay. It was a bad decision. And then, like, he got him to game seven of the cup final. Yeah. And, yeah. like, he wasn't – I mean, he had some bad games along the way. But the bottom line, he got the game seven of a cup final. I've never felt like – again, this is me, Winnipeg guy, living in Vegas. So I'm not – I don't have the pulse of the Canucks fans or anything. But I read a lot and hear a lot. And, I mean, at the end of the day – this guy probably didn't get the respect he deserved from, from the fans and maybe even the organization. Well, not until late, you okay. know, fans, at least. Like, he was, the problem was he was so good his first couple of years in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I mean, that first season, it was Elaine Vigneault's first season. He came in, I believe Willie Mitchell was the other offseason signing. You know, they had lost. Nazem was gone. Uh, no, sorry, Nazem was there, but it was supposed to be the rebuild, right? Yeah. They were going to be awful. And they made it to the second round of the playoffs. I think they won the division, and everybody's like, wait. And it was yeah. all Luongo. He was unbelievable. And he was again. And then, and then first off, Gillis got scared that they were going to lose him. This was their franchise guy. Cause right. let's, he was yeah. so good. So I think part of the way uh, they wanted to woo him, not just by the long-term contract, but it was like, you're our leader. Here, you're our captain. You know, that, that was, mm-hmm. I think that was part of it. And it turned out to be a bad decision because – Having a goaltender try to analyze games after always looks like finger pointing. You know? <laughs> it kind of does. And Luongo right? was always a stand-up guy. He talked yeah. on game days as long. Like I mean, how many starting goaltenders talk on game days? Yeah. Now? No yeah. one before right. the game. He always did, and he always talked post game. I think there was only two or three games I ever saw him not come out. So he was a real stand-up guy. Now, yeah. early in his tenure, he was seen as aloof. Oh, he was really, huh? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was he was cocky. I mean, he was because he was guess. that good. Yeah, I guess. Well, he had the pump, he, he had the pump my tire comment too with Thomas. Well, was, yeah. And, yeah, and that and then again, that was where he was. He was trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah. it came off as it made it look like it was a shot against Tim Thomas. Uh, Luongo in that you know right up until Game Six was still in the Con Smythe conversation. I mean, remember you had a shutout in Game Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, got lit up in Game Six. They lose four one Game Seven. And and people were piling on Luongo, despite the fact that Canucks scored, I think, I don't know yeah, how they scored, whatever eight it was. goals in seven yeah, games in the yeah, finals? Right. Right? I mean, and no one did anything, but he was the scapegoat. Uh, he had a couple of real poor games. Uh, you know, Corey Schneider started game six of the Chicago series. I mean, there's just a bunch of stuff that went on. Um, 
where, you know, he was seen as the fall guy. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, he goes through all the stuff, wanted to get traded, doesn't get traded, you know, and then also, and then he did the whole Twitter thing, and then he was seen as a guy that people finally understood his humor, his self-replicating. Right. He could make fun of himself. Yeah. He was a real clever guy. You know, there was the human side to him, and I think that's when people really fell in love with, you know, Roberto Luongo, the person, mm-hmm. um, and had empathy for him. But, but by then, really yeah. <laughs> but, it was a strange, it was a strange evolution, I'll tell you. Yeah. I, I, you know, it was fascinating to be around every day. Um, and again, it's one of those things, now that he's gone, people realize how good he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you That's know, what I, I, mean. I think like, it was yeah. probably very good for him, too. Like, why did he, like, okay, so the Winter Classic with Torts dressing uh, uh, Eddie, <laughs> like, I mean, was that really it? Did he really say, uh, that's what I've read, hey, I want out of here just because I didn't play in this important, Well, like, I, I mean, was that really that, it? Well, I think that kind of, I mean, at this point, nobody thought he could be traded, right? Right. Like, there was, the, it was that, that dream was dead. Yeah. Um, Tortorella was just so tone deaf in terms of everything that had gone on. I mean, everything for so long was Luongo versus Schneider, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's going to start? Why aren't you starting? I mean, the Canucks had to put a policy in that uh, whoever wasn't starting didn't talk on game day because it was always the media would just go to the other guy and say, why aren't you starting up? That's that? you. You're, a, you're, you're to blame on that. That's you. Exactly. Yeah, I'm to blame. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, what kind of answer can you get? And they both handled it brilliantly. Yeah. So then finally yeah, – uh, they, they even made a little thing about spoofing themselves. I mean, you know, like, like yeah, they had a little fun sure. with it. Right, yeah. So now you Schneider's out of there. Luongo's your number one guy. You know, you got a national game, the outdoor well, – indoor and BC yeah. place for yeah, that matter. But right. that's another story. <laughs> uh, and you, you've had all this go on, and then Tort says, I'm going to start Lack. You know, it was a brain-dead, tone-deaf decision. Mm-hmm. Luongo had played uh, solid leading up to it, and yet, and then Torts being Torts, this is the guy that gives us the best chance to win. Well, I think that really hurt Lou, and, uh, and you know, and maybe he shouldn't have been that hurt, but, you know, for some reason, then, his agent yeah. uh, explored and just called Florida and said, is there still something there? Boom, there was, and the deal was done. So there was, it was maybe just a final straw. It wasn't the main reason. It was just. Well, I think yeah. there, were, there had been a many final straws yeah, yeah. before that. Right, right, right. But this was the one that just like it brought up the conversation again. Yeah. And uh, and then and then they made the deals a little bit too late. But I you know I still don't blame. Uh, I I still think it was the right decision to make because there was so much water under the bridge with Luongo. It was always going to be a hot button topic, no yeah. matter what happened. Right. So even though they lost Luongo. You know, he's mm-hmm. not on the books now until he's 42 years old, <laughs> yeah. um, right? And allowed them to move past that whole scenario. Yes, ideally they should have had one of those two guys, but mm-hmm. even when they moved Luongo at that point, I think it was the right move. I, someone in Vancouver um, told me that Strombone was, was Lou um, before he came out of it, like before he, he let sure. everybody kind of know. And so I started following him, and it was hilarious. I love the guy. Just from that kind of that Twitter account, like I'm just like yeah. this guy's awesome. And then yeah. of course now since everybody kind of knows it's him, now he posts things of like from Yager and, and uh, uh, oh, and then there's uh, like a five hole photo he did one time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. The guy's great, he, right? How could you not love him? him? Yeah. How could and you not for a long time, there people didn't know who it was, and then the speculation, and then there was like the investigation, and then finally, and he never admitted it for so long, right? Yeah. Uh, he still maybe doesn't admit it, but I mean, I'm did you it's been, it's been did you long. know it was him a long time before? Well, the reason that I knew it was him is mm-hmm. because um, 
you know, not, you can't play online poker in the states now because it's yeah. illegal. But for the longest time on the road, I, I played a lot of online poker, and so okay. did uh, Roberto. And he's a he's a very very solid poker player. So we'd end up in the same tournaments. Uh, I'd be in my hotel room, he'd be in his, and his Twitter, his uh, his handle on uh, Poker Stars was Strombone. Oh, okay. So you're like, oh. So when I saw the Twitter handle, I was like, he he yeah, he knew that I knew <laughs> because nobody would know that Strombone yeah. and, and poker was him. Right. Of course. Right. Besides the fact that his pitcher was you know Johnny Canuck at that point. But, yeah. Yeah. So I knew from the early get-go, and then if you looked at his followers, it was all his teammates, a couple of stick reps, James Duffy, like a bunch sure. of guys who would follow him that would know. Yeah, right, exactly, right. Um, hey, let's talk about torts. <laughs> i got to talk about torts. Um, the, the dressing room incident in Calgary, uh, or was that in Vancouver? In Vancouver, yeah. It was in, in Vancouver, Vancouver with Calgary. Yeah. Where, where were you? Did you know about what was going on? What was happening? Well, well, here's the funny thing. So, uh, you know, I do, it's different now because at that point CBC was still not owned by Rogers, right? Okay. So uh, I do about 60 games a year. I do, uh, now I've done a couple Hockey Night in Canada games, you know, maybe two or three a year, but usually it's Scott Oak on the Vancouver ones mm-hmm. who's the host. So uh, many uh, Saturday nights I would just, you know, Stay home because okay. it's one game I could watch on TV. Oh, I didn't. Know. I forgot it was a hockey, uh, hockey night. Yeah, game. I didn't know it was that. It's a Saturday right. night. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, most of the time I would just stay home. So, because mm-hmm. you know they would never want stories post game. Blah blah blah. Right. So I was sitting there. I just poured. You know, I just had a couple beers. Poured a glass of wine. I was sitting on the couch, and I see this happen. <laughs> right. They show <laughs> yeah, the footage. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I get up, I, I go to the room, my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm putting on my shirt and tie. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to work. She goes, why? I said, oh, believe me. I said, within a minute, the phone's going to ring. Sure enough, work. All right, story, you know. So yeah, yeah. That's where I was. I was at home. I couldn't, you know, obviously I couldn't believe it. I'll say this about Torts. You know, I don't know if he learned his lesson in terms of dealing with players when he came to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But with the media, he was great. Well, I, was I don't think he trusted us. Yeah. But um, nobody, uh, nobody's know, cell phone never, went off. Yeah, nobody's cell phone went well, off. Yeah, that was early. that was in the preseason. Right. But I mean, on the road, uh, you know, he was great with the guys that were around all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I never had a problem with him. Right. And I'll say this too: I know why the guy does great in interviews and get, keeps getting jobs, because when he talks to you one on one, you believe what he's saying. Really? And then after you're yeah. like, well, what happened there? Was yeah. I in a trance? Like the guy when he talks to you one on one, you believe it. You're now, like, I don't for, believe yeah. he's learned his lesson with the players. Yeah. I mean, they, they, the uh, you know when he got hired in Columbus. I mean, uh, you know, of course, all the Canucks were asked for the reaction. They're like, "Well, they're going to get a wake up call there, right?" Um, you know, and 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 you know, most guys won't tell you stories that happened uh, behind closed doors with the Canucks, but we know a couple. Like um, he didn't talk, he didn't have a one on one with Alex Burroughs. Now, now, mind you, Burroughs had had some injury problems mm-hmm. that year. But yeah, he, he was your first line winger. Yeah. He didn't have a one-on-one conversation with Alex Burroughs until the Olympic break. <laughs> I mean, how does that happen? Well, hey, didn't I hear that he wasn't even going to all the practices or something? He lived far away. What was the? What? Well, he lived in the states in Point Roberts, so uh, okay. you know they never really. He never really was there for a lot of morning skates. Yeah, morning. Okay, morning skates, and it was. He yeah. just. He just. Just. Ah, I'm not going to make it, guys. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't go on the ice. Um, That's weird. A little bizarre that way. <laughs> right. uh, he didn't go to the prospects tournament, and this is a guy who just got hired. Wouldn't know their prospects. Yeah. Right. Right. He should have done that. Uh, but, you know, the, the one thing I heard, some guys said that, you know, obviously some guys can handle his coaching style and some guys can't. Mm-hmm. Like guys like um, Ham Hughes and, and Edler kind of wilted under him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they just can't handle getting crushed every day by yeah. a guy. Yeah. Guys like BX and the Twins can handle it. Yeah. Um, 
but they said that he was a most guys said he was a real smart hockey guy he really knew how to break down tape he knew what he was talking about but he was irrational with his anger sometimes like he'd be talking to the Shocking. team and I, I, he was talking to the team one time in the dressing room i think it was after practice one of the one of the players kids was was in the you know in mm-hmm. the dressing room somewhere went to the bathroom and, and flushed the toilet and torch went off because the toilet was flushed when he was talking to the team like off yeah yeah just lost his mind right so yeah, yeah. There's something a little twisted there, but I'm going to enjoy seeing him in Columbus here in four days and right. talking to him because, um, you know, I, I, I always got a kick out of him, that's for sure. Did he hate any local media guys like Larry Brooks? Did he hate, like, Willis or, or you know, uh, Cam? Well, and the thing is, I, is I don't know good? if he hates Larry. I mean, I remember when the, 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 the Rangers came to town, those guys shook hands and talked for a long time. I think it's just that they had their powder keg moments because Larry was around all the time. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I think there were certain guys that pushed his buttons in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not certain he knew, you know, 90% of the people's name that cover the team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't. And uh, and, then, and so he never had his real blow-ups uh, with the Vancouver Mia. Like, not nearly as much. Like, Mark Crawford had way more blow-ups yeah. than he was in Vancouver. Right. Um, was Do you think uh, that his hiring was was ownership? Uh, yeah, like that's that's the rumor. You know, that's the word on the street. Was yeah, no, I, I totally believe that. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, you got him in an interview process, and he's right. going to woo. You know, and you got those Italian owners in Vancouver, right? right. The Aquilini's. Aquilini's, right? You know, and Tortorella gets in there, sells them. You know, it sold the ice to uh, the Eskimos, and and there he is. But <laughs> how stuck? I don't think that that was Gillis's first choice. I think uh, uh, Stevens in L.A. was Gillis's first choice. Uh-huh. I think he was overrun, uh, and then I, I mean, and by the end of. Uh, uh, Tortorella's year there, you could see how management uh, was really separating itself from the coaches. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Gillis got fired, and and you know, and then right. Tortorella got fired too. So um, uh, both sides were really distancing themselves from each other, uh, and that's where you knew that they weren't on board with each other from the start. The hiring came as a surprise, but okay, whatever. You know, the owner likes him; he gives a great interview. But a four-year deal. Really? Five years. Five, oh, five years, I mean? Like, really? <laughs> here's, my, and here's, my, uh, here's why I think that happened. Um, Alain Vignon, uh, who they had fired, yeah. right, told him to take a walk, got a five-year deal, $2 million a year in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. So I think ownership said, yeah, well, you know what? We're going to give our new guy five years, too, who just came from New York. Yeah, your old coach, right. Years. We're going to match it. But the only difference is why nobody else was bidding on Tortorella. That's what I mean. Dallas had offered Vigneault a five-year deal, too. Right. Two teams were going after him. That's why he got the money. You could have given Torts a three-year deal at 1-5. I'm sure of anything, it. Anything. Anything. Yes. No, nobody wanted Torts. He was fighting everybody. Yes. Um, um, but how stoked is the Aquilini is that Columbus is now picking up? I, I don't think he's on the. I think you have to. You know, you got to match your compensation. So, I, I doubt he's getting paid the same amount of money as he was in Vancouver. But at least Aquilini's are saving a little bit of money here. They're gonna be stoked. And, Columbus. and they got a second round pick. I know. <laughs> That's got to change. Like you fire a dude and you get yeah. a second round pick. Yeah, they got a second. Round. I'm sure that will be discussed. But yeah, either this year, next year, or the year after, they got a second round pick. So I mean, it was. <laughs> you tell a guy, uh, hey, you, know, you, it, you tell a guy, hey, you suck. We don't want you. You're fired. You're terrible. Oh, thank yeah, I was you. joking that uh, the Tortorella gets you more than uh, Eddie Lack these days. Right, yeah, jeez. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but for, for relationship one on one, you Dan Murphy, fine. Yeah, retorts, right? Like you said, yeah. like like good guy, but yeah. Um, we're, well, I think with the players, there's a disconnect at some point. My wife and I are animal rescuers. We work with them, so and I know he's big into that. So I kind of like torches because of that. Well, me too. we we talk dogs all the time. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, John Shorthouse is the play by play guy right. in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. 
know, he came up with this idea, and we were going to do it for April Fools, and it would have been great, except for the fact that Canucks lost like ten of thirteen going to the, you know, getting close uh-huh. to April first there. Uh-huh. So we never ended up doing it, but uh, we were going to have an April first joke with uh, the fans. By, by, and I guarantee Torts would have done it, but you know how the, the Canucks had had a, uh, a father's trip, yeah. a mother's trip, and a sibling's trip? We were going to get them to say it was time for the pet's trip, the dog's trip. Right. Get them to say that all the dogs were allowed on the plane and yeah, yeah. travel on the road. And uh, You oh, can't t- tell me that nobody would have bought that. Oh, and Torts would have loved it because he loves it. animals. Torts would have loved exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, okay, so Gillis is gone. Torts is gone, and you guys pulled a Maple Leaf move, which I'm I'm still, as a fan, not exactly sure if I like it. But someone who's got, I think Trevor Linden was, was he? did he have a gym or something? Doesn't him and Steve Nash have competing gyms or something in Vancouver? Yeah, but, he's got a lot of businesses going on. He's got, okay. uh, I think, 16 Fitness. He's got uh, Orange Theory Fitness in B.C. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. So they get Linden as president of Hockey Ops. No experience, besides, of course, a great career in the game. But it was a little weird. But, you know, Jim, he picks Jim Benning. How's the Lyndon Benning thing going? What were your thoughts going in when they did that? And how's it working so far? I mean, obviously, like we said, it's been all right to start the year, and last year yeah. was good. But what do you think? Well, I wrote three months, I believe, or maybe maybe two months before Lyndon was hired. I said, because this is when, uh, you know, the great ship Canuck was taken on lots of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torts was blowing up. Uh, Gillis was going to get canned. They were, get, they were you know, on their way to a, you know, a poor season. I said there was only one guy who could plug a lot of holes, and that would be Lyndon. And, he, you know, he was hired. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, in terms of a face uh, of the franchise, in terms of the guy that's out there talking, and dealing with season ticket holders mm-hmm. and corporate sponsors and all that, it's brilliant. Yeah. Right? I mean, the guy yeah. is, he's polished. Let's not forget he was the president of the PA for, yep. uh, you know, seven, eight years. Uh, he's got a good handle on a lot of things that way. And, and then he hires a guy uh, in Jim Benning where the Canucks for so long, we just talked about it, Cody Hodgson was their one prospect. They've drafted yeah. so poorly. So they hired a guy who's a great, great scout. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the mixture there is solid, right? I mean, they're both hockey nerds, yep. um, but they've both got something that they're very, very skilled in. Trevor's a good people person. Not to say that Jim's not, but when you want to send someone to a season ticket holder event or someone to yeah, talk yeah. to corporate sponsors to get right. money, to get the community on board, Lennon's great. And now you've got a guy in Jim Benning. This 14-day road trip, I haven't talked to him yet exactly how, uh-huh. Seven Canucks games in 14 days. He's going to watch 14 games in 14 days. <laughs> it's just Junior, just, AHL, yeah, yeah. NHL. Right. He is a hockey lifer. Yeah. He loves to scout. And I think that that's a great marriage for these two. Uh, what, is it going to work long term? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't disagree with the makeup of that senior management team. Right. Uh, I think one of the things these guys have to realize, and I think maybe Trevor has, Maybe a bit like Shanahan, you got to kind of know what you don't know, right? I guess is exactly. that yeah. Is that yeah? You got to hire the right people around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Trevor's too arrogant to think that he knows everything. Mm-hmm. I think that once he took the job, he realized how giant of an undertaking it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's going to make his mistakes, uh, and so is Benning. But as long as you don't make the massive ones, I mean, you know, they got. I mean, the honeymoon's over. That's for sure. They had a hundred one point season. And yet, all off season, people were like, "What's the plan? Where's the direction? Sign some Biza, you lose Corrado." Right. Like, I mean, the honeymoon's over. These guys get carved all the time. But 
um, oh, they, considering where okay. the organization, uh, organization was at the end of yeah. the Gillis tenure, right. uh, it's a step in the right direction. Uh, by the end, Gillis just seemed like he was yelling at you guys, and his face was red, and he was yelling at the, <laughs> the you guys. That's uh, by the end. That's all it seemed like. You know what I mean? Like he was so yeah. he had to be under so much stress with torts and the ownership, and and like he just was very angry near the end. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got along with Mike too, but Mike Mike couldn't hide his disdain for the media. No, no. And I think that's where he could have, uh, where Lyndon could have helped give him. You know, sure. If you resist, they will persist. I think is the line, right? And, yeah, yeah. And 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 Mike was always quick to point out how much smarter he was. And I think that if Mike could have handled himself, and not saying that your relationship with the media should count that much, but if he could have handled himself a little differently with the media, mm-hmm. he might have bought him a little more sympathy at the end. Yeah, you guys, not you specifically, but those guys out there, because I do read uh, some of the stuff out there, just yeah. just destroying him daily, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and yeah, it's, but he's out of the game, I think, right now, I saw, he's not even involved, like, what is he doing now? He's teaching a sports law class That's it, yeah. at the University of Victoria. Right, yeah, so there we go, right? Just, just... Yeah, I don't know if he'll get back to the game, he might, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I know he's, he, he really enjoyed his time. Away from the game last year, his daughter's on the national field hockey team, mm-hmm. uh, went to the Olympics. So I think he watched her a lot. Uh, and I, from what I heard, I, I saw him one time this summer at the golf course, uh, and he looked like the weight of the world was off his shoulders. So I think that once he was out of the game, <laughs> right. he realized, oh, okay. Uh, now, and, and I think if he gets back in, you'll see a whole different approach. Yeah, think about the uh, the stuff he had to go through, Luongo and the Schneider and the Torts oh and you guys. Um, well, not just that, though, yeah. uh, Steve. I mean, when you think of it, you know, uh, this wasn't all in his tenure, but uh, uh, Luke Bordeaux passing away. Sure, yeah. Rick Rippon suicide. Right, yeah, yeah, good Manny point. Manny yeah. injury. Right. Taylor Pyatt's fiancé dying on, on holidays. Right, like, yeah. Like, they had a lot of That's a good point. massive, of massive sure. tragedies under his watch. Yeah. And I think a lot of that stuff they handled very well. And that, and that, that put a lot of stress in the organization. Absolutely. Um, Frankie Corrado, you mentioned him earlier, and he, now he's now with my beloved Maple Leafs. Uh, mm-hmm. He was sent down a conditioning stint. You know, basically, they ran out of bodies. I think they just had to send him somewhere. He hasn't gotten in a game yet, but Ferraro is, is pumped on this dude. What do you yeah. think? Like, did you think? They, I mean, obviously, like you said, um, you know, they had some guys step up, so they had to drop him. But what, what, what yeah. am I, I going to see from this guy? Well, I mean, he got past, in Vancouver in training camp. He got passed uh, by Hutton, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and then also I believe he was, he was passed by Alex Biega. They liked him better, so that's you know, I mean, it was maybe it was a bit of asset mismanagement, but I you know maybe the coach doesn't like him. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll see a guy. He's not very big, mm-hmm. uh, but he makes quick decisions with the puck. He skates very well. He's got some offensive upside. He's a real likable kid too, like a real nice guy. Um, and I, Canucks fans were bitter with it. But and this is what I'll say. Sometimes you have to, you know, you you got this management in place, and you have to trust them. Like in the off season when the Canucks traded Zach Cassian for Brandon Prust, the fans were outraged. Right. But they didn't know the backstory. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Now I'm not saying no. Toronto Zach Cassian at all. Right. But sometimes they make decisions that they think's the best for the team. Yeah. And they do it. Did they want to lose Corrado? Not a chance. Twenty two year old right handed shooting defenseman. Yeah. But, you know, they, they, they said that if you played well in camp to make the team, you're going to make it. Hutton did. They thought it was fair to keep him. When they could have sent him down, no problem, kept Corrado. Yep. Figured it out another day. They mm-hmm. didn't. They lost Corrado. And I, th- I think they'll regret it a bit. But I think also, I mean, Corrado hasn't ch- had a chance to get into the Leafs lineup. Well, that's just so. it. Like, how good, ca- you know, I don't know if you've seen the Leafs back end here, but um, Frankie Corrado can't seem to crack it. So, yeah, uh, you know, I wonder about that. Um, 
Yeah, you're right about the Cassian thing. I was a guy, too, just reading the paper. I'm like, what? Cassian for Prust? But then, yeah, you kind of see, obviously, Cassian's ran into some issues in Montreal, and you talk yeah. to a few people in the game. They're like, hey, he's kind of out and about after the games. He's not maybe professional, uh, living the professional hockey player life, in, yeah. you know, like you said. So Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think they did. They did a lot to try to help the kid. Right. Um, I think they really liked him. They liked his upside. But, I, you know, I don't want to say that they – they foresaw something like this happening at some point. Of course, I'm not, guessing yeah. they did, and that's why they moved him. Um, let's talk. T- talking to Dan Murphy here, Sportsnet CA, uh, Vancouver Canuck uh, uh, broadcaster. Well, I guess a broadcaster. Sure, we'll call you that. You're you're yeah. holding the microphone. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, you're, you're, let's talk a little bit about. I ask all my guests this because um, uh, I'm a freelance journalist covering the sport of Supercross and motocross, and your columns aren't you know like this as so much, but. I do run into issues where I have to criticize some of these riders and teams and, and you know, people aren't pay, pulling their weight and aren't doing what they're kind of expected to do. And mm-hmm. some of these guys get a little pissed at me at the races on the weekend and I got to talk to them. And some guys just don't flat out don't like me. Now, like I said, you're not quite that way with your columns on Sportsnet, but there is some opinions sp- sprinkled in there. How, how do you find, and, and then you have to interview these guys and sort of be, you know, a little bit of a, a proper a journalist uh, in the room and interviewing these guys. Mm-hmm. How does that go for you? How do you run into problems how is it well you, you know well first off on the broadcast it's a little different right because yeah you're, you're, you're just asking you're not right? out to embarrass guys like if if uh, you know alexander there's minus three in the first period i'm not asking to interview him in the in the intermission yeah now that doesn't mean the next day in the room i won't talk to him and do a story on how bad he was mm-hmm. i always found that you know guys know when they've played poorly mm-hmm uh, most of my reporting, TV-wise, I'm not editorializing. I'm using yeah. numbers to back up everything. Now, when you're doing columns, it's a different thing. You have more opinion. You editorialize. Um, and I have, you know, I mean, B actually used to always go at me if I ever said anything about him. He's like, how many backhanded compliments can you give me in a column? And I'm, you know, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think guys know that if you're, you know, I'm not, as long as there's no real snark behind it. Right. You know, if the opinion is, is based on some facts, some numbers, uh, some video, then, you know, I think they're, most of the time they know you're doing your job as well. Uh, only a couple of times was I ever, I remember doing a story one time, uh, and, Mark, you know, Mark Crawford was so incensed that he was threatening to kick me off the charter. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, you got to tell us. So, what did you do? I remember when I finished doing the story, I was like, have I been hard enough on this team? <laughs> and then the next day someone said, you better stay away from Crawford because he's out to get you today. So, and um, what was you know, it about? There's been a few times. Yeah. And Brian Burke. It's just the way he was, but he would mm-hmm. call you to the carpet all the time. But he loved to yell at you, and you could yell back at him, and then it'd be over. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, and I, I respect guys like that. If they said, you know, I don't agree with the bullshit that you wrote, well, Berkey, I don't care. I, you know, I think it was the right thing to write, and then mm-hmm. it's over. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it hasn't happened to me a ton. But it has happened where yeah. guys are a little ticked off with what you've written. Yeah, I think the difference is my sport, uh, a lot younger riders. They're 16, 17. Their parents are around nonstop in, in motorcycle yeah. racing, just like any kind of racing. And they're not, they haven't been under a spotlight. They don't understand sort of the game that media, media does, what our job is. Um, you know, there's a big difference in our sports. You know, I think when it comes to the hockey guys, they, they expect it. They know the deal. They've been around. They know how the media works and good and bad. This is what they have to write about. Whereas in our sport, I think people are like, oh, no, everybody just writes how great everybody is. And I'm one of the guys that says, you know what? That guy's not really doing that well. And then, oh, shit hits the fan, Dan. Yeah. Oh, it's trouble. But, yeah. um, hey, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit going back um, before we wrap up on the Pulp Hockey podcast here. Going back in the Canucks, the Crawford days, Burke days, Marcus Naslin, Bertuzzi. Was it really all Dan Kluche's fault? 
Well, I wouldn't say that. I yeah. mean, I, I I, I'm, my tongue's in my cheek, of course. Yeah, like yeah, the, no, no, yeah. no. I, you know, there there is a little truth to it. The one year that they lost to Detroit, obviously mm-hmm. the backbreaker was they're up two one still in the series, and the, the goal from center ice from, yeah. from they lose the game. But that was to a Red Wings team that had nine future Hall of Famers on it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they just loved them to get going, and they went on to win the cup. Um, and then the one year they they that I believe they had a really good chance of doing something. Bertuzzi uh, hit Steve Moore. He's suspended for the playoffs. Right. Krejci gets hurt in the first uh, series against Calgary, and, and their season's over. So I think Kluche really had evolved as a goaltender. I don't know if he was the guy to win it all, but I think they had enough uh, offensive talent to to really make some noise in those days. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, whether yeah. they win, win the cup or not, I'm not sure. But I will say this: that with that team, I've been doing it since 2001, 2002, and uh, in you know the the the, the early days of the West Coast Express of Nazem Bertuzzi, Morrison line. Yep. Uh, that year, as well as 2010, 2011. That was the only year when I was working where I go into games and you, you you were kind of shocked if the Canucks lost. Right, right, right. They were just they oh, were they one were year on they, were, they were really rolling. They were very good. Um, you know, they were exciting to watch. Uh, and you know, so uh, I would say that I don't think they were they were part of the class league, but I was never really with the Bertuzzi teams. I never really thought they should be the favorite to win the cup back mm-hmm. then because you still had Detroit and right. uh, some real good teams in the West. 2010-2011, you know, I thought the Canucks could have won the cup. Um, I remember in February when they played the Bruins and the Bruins won one nothing or 2-1 in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, there's a team that could really stand up to them. Yep. And sure enough, uh, <laughs> uh, that's right. what, sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, but, um, you know, Kluche was good. I don't, I don't, you know, obviously he wasn't the best, yeah. but I don't think that was the difference in them not winning a cup back then. They blew it against, the one year they had a real good chance, they blew it against Minnesota, three games to one in the second yeah. round. Yeah, uh, The famous story that the fans were sitting outside of the tickets, waiting to buy tickets for game seven. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and I was right there, and, you know, the big story was, oh, he disrespected Bertuzzi, he said, oh, there's not going to be a game seven. He said that, but he was totally joking with the fans. Yeah, yeah. to be some thing, some guarantee. And, right, you know, yeah. Anyhow, I mean, you take what you can from it, but they, they shouldn't have lost that series. Then, then they would have had Anaheim in the next round, uh, and Anaheim, of course, went on to lose. Yeah, they won the Cup. Wow. Yeah. And then with no, Burke. That's the year they lost to Jersey, I think. Oh, was that the, the Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, where, where, where Jaguar was the MVP, but they lost. Right. The uh, And you got Burke yelling and screaming, and Crawford certainly yelling and screaming. Some yeah. big personalities around that team. Bertuzzi, yeah. right? Burke, yeah. yep. Yeah, no question. I, I, I got a lot of time for Brian Burke. Always have. Yeah. Um, Really like the guy, you know. Obviously, you don't have to agree with everything he says mm-hmm. or how he conducts himself, or um, but I, I like him a lot. Crawford was a real tough nut to crack. Um, There's a guy that, uh, but, did, I mean, but then okay, so but then you saw him on TV. Oh yeah, and he was calm, well, the, steady. Yeah. You know, well, they, they they called they they said there was two seasons to Mark Crawford. There was Summer Crow and Winter Crow. <laughs> okay, Summer Crow was great. <laughs> Stay away from Winter Crow. Stay away from Winter Crow. I like Burke too. I was a big fan when he came to Toronto. I'm like, okay, this guy because there's been a lot of like Ferguson Jr. and yeah. Richard Petty and a lot of you know the people on the board getting involved in things. And and when Burke came, I'm like, okay, I think this guy can do it. You know, he's done it a few times. And, like, just uh, nothing worked. <laughs> nothing worked. The Kessel trade, like, the wrong type of guy to pin your hopes on. Like, he's a great yeah. 
complimentary piece to like a contender, but he cannot be a face of a team. Uh, no. In the back, well, and he, you know, he wanted to he wanted to build teams that were you know succeeding in the in the late nineties, right? Right. Whereas I, now yeah. you you don't want the Colt Norris and, and those type of players, and he still thought those guys should be a real big part of teams. Yeah, it was. It so. was he, I just was like, what's going on? So, um, hey, in all your times uh, uh, covering the Canucks, uh, favorite player to deal with. Well, okay, let's let's put it this way. Okay. Like I've had a couple that have been friends beforehand. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jason Strudwick, uh, right. Sean Pronger, Nolan Baumgartner, those guys were all guys I knew yeah. ahead of time. Okay. So they were friends. So I mean, they were you know, Jason Strudwick's one of the greatest of all time in terms yeah. of people to deal with. Uh, They're doing Edmonton, Edmonton media now, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite guys to deal with? Oh boy. Um, well, let's just start with the current team. Okay. The twins I like a lot, yeah. uh, and then you've got some other guys that are that are quietly funny and sarcastic. Yannick Weber, awesome to deal with. Um, you know, some other guys that don't talk a lot in the media but are mm-hmm. good, like Alex Adler. Uh, I love. You know, I had a good relationship with with Todd Bertuzzi. Oh, you I know did? A lot okay. of people didn't. Okay. I still text with him. Yep. I still get along with him. I'm not going to say he's my favorite player to deal with because he could be a real pain in the ass. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not going to get down on him as, as much as other people. Oh boy, BX, BX, has seemed, BX has seemed like a, obviously yeah. not there, but BX has seemed like a really no funny guy. Yeah, and that was ten years too that he was yeah. there for a decade. BX would for sure be easily one of the probably my favorite go-to if you had to get a quote with on camera. Oh yeah, yeah. Never disappointed. And then how about how he would lurk in the background all the time too? Yeah, and Kessler <laughs> did that too. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to put Kessler, my favorite guys, to deal with. Well, that's the flip side, Dan. I, was, I, can't ask you just the, I can't ask you the great question about these great friends of yours and these guys, but who's some of the guys that you, yeah, you just maybe you could, they didn't like media? Yeah. Uh, they burned well, you? Kessler was prickly. It, was he? Okay, yeah. Kessler was real prickly, but, you know, if I saw him one-on-one away from the rank, he was fine, right? Yeah. I, you know, he, he knew I wasn't out to screw him, but uh-huh. he was very prickly with the media. Um, I mean, my relationship was a little different because, you know, when they see you around all the time, right. they're not as tough to deal with. Like, if you're on the road all the time, they know yeah. who you are, right? Yeah. So I never had uh, now, too, too I don't think there was too many guys that disliked me. Okay. So I never really had a real tough time getting interviews. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, it, Kessler, I'm not lying when I say that. Kessler's trade out. Um, what was the reason? <clears throat> Kessler's uh, trade out. The reason was just I'm tired I think he of this. Thought the team was the team wasn't going to win anymore. Well, you can't do that. That's dumb. Oh, well, he did. <laughs> he did. He got out. He did. Yeah, and then it. and then he gave then he gave the GM one team that he could be traded. Well, that's to. what I mean. That's what I don't get. These guys sometimes like, you can't do that. Like like well, a little bit like Lou too. Like oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm only going to Florida. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, I think but I think Lou was said he would have gone to a lot of places, and you know Florida was by far his mm-hmm. his uh, at the top of the list. But I think right. he would have gone to a number of places. I think Kessler said Pittsburgh or Anaheim, and then when it got right down to it, it was Anaheim. Right. So, um, and Benning said, you know what, you want to be here, screw you, I'll get the best I can for you, and and, and good riddance. Right, right. Um, so he didn't want that hanging over the Canucks going into another preseason. But, uh, yeah, I think that Kessler just felt uh, the team wasn't going to win anymore, and he didn't want to be part of a rebuild, so he asked out. And then Anaheim signs signs him to that deal that everyone's like, "What, really?" Yeah, he's kind of old yeah, to be signing him to that deal, and he's got a lot of mileage on him too, like a lot yeah, of you know like hard he hockey, plays, right? Yeah, it's not like he plays. Yeah, exactly. Like it's uh, you know that 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 car has been driven very hard for right. ten years. So you mentioned you fly on the charters, right? Uh, as part mm-hmm. of the Connect Media. 
Yeah. Um, at times, probably a little difficult for you, like difficult um, to not let things you see in here on there, you know, <laughs> drift into your opinion slash yeah. writing, right? Well, here's the thing. I mean, we're we, the one thing. If you're on the charter, you cannot report anything that goes on. Of course charter, not, right? right? Yeah. So if a player yeah. gets called up to talk to the coach, like yeah. that kind of stuff, you you cannot you cannot report on it. If you see someone that's got an ice bag on a shoulder, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to report on it. Now, that's not to say that you can't use that to gain context when something happens later on. Of course, right? Right. I mean, that's I mean that's mm-hmm. one of the, the the perks of doing it. Um, but uh, it, it's changed a little bit, depending on the coach. Like in the early years, uh, with Elaine Vigneault, who uh, you talked about great guys to deal with, he is by he? far yeah. one of my favorites. I mean, the guy's sense of humor is unbelievable. Really? I never, re- I never got oh. that. Like I never, I just saw face interviews with him. Yeah. I never, never no, got no. that part of it. Okay. I mean, off, uh, away from the yeah, rink. Yeah. I mean, the guy is He's funny. just <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, but uh, like he didn't care. Like in the early days, I, I would go back, back of the plane and mm-hmm. play poker. Oh, okay. Well, I don't do oh. that anymore. I'm old, right? These guys are all young. I'm twice I could be their dad. <laughs> but um, you know that would never happen under uh, if the torts, right? You could never head back there. Um, the other thing was when you know when it first started, the configuration of the plan went. You know, ownership and management. Yep. Trainers, mm-hmm. media, players. So you're so only yeah you're only five, a few rows years. Of, right. Yeah, five six years. Like Bertuzzi and Aslan sat directly behind me. Right. Like directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the configuration goes ownership management. Um, media, media trainers. trainers, players. So right. there's a there's a buffer, yeah, a buffer yeah. there. Not that you can't go back and kind of talk to a guy if you have to ask him a question or whatever. I think you can still do that. But yeah, I wonder um, the, the the dynamics of that. Me being in the media game in another sport, and certainly I've I've been behind the scenes and not seen things and talked to riders that I can't report. Also, but the dynamic of that interests me. Where you're like you're like look, oh man, like I, you know, I'm, I'm back playing poker with these dudes and somebody lets it slip about this, and not that you're gonna. It's not tabloid journalism, but yeah. it's it can help you, you know. So that oh, sure. that that kind of stuff fascinates me a little bit. Yeah, like, exactly. Or you might find a little string that's loose, so you can go kind of at mm-hmm. it at it a different way, and mm-hmm. you might be able to come up with something. Right. Um, I'll just keep you a little bit longer, if you don't mind. Um, no. Dan Murphy, Sportsnet CA, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, lots of Vancouver Canucks talk. Which actually, I was getting a few people on Twitter saying, "Why don't you talk about the Canucks?" So this is going to work out. They're going to get a lot of Canucks um, on this on this one. Um, what do you so? What do you think of the decision? Like the Toronto guys, I listen to a lot of Toronto uh, sports stuff. Being a Maple Leaf guy and a Blue Jay fan, also, um, you know, Lou kicked them all off the charter, and they're pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I mean, that's that's Lou, right? He's old school, right? Um, but it's funny though, you know, who owns the Maple Leafs? Two yeah, giant two t- <laughs> communications companies <laughs> right. that own the two largest television networks, uh, sports networks mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah, uh, but that's Lou. I mean, he's that's that's the, that's his way of doing things. Um, you know, some other teams don't like media on the charter. Some pe- some teams have uh, beat writers on the charter. Really? Oh wow! Right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, like yeah. So uh, I know with the Canucks charter, it's just the the radio rights holders, mm-hmm. so that the you know play by play guy yeah. and, uh, and the color guy for radio, plus uh, the television. Myself, uh, John Garrett, uh, John Chorios, and our television producer. Yeah, those are the five guys. G- Garrett seems then, like, Garrett seems like an incredible storyteller. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that is another guy that uh, you should have on because uh, yeah, hook it up, Dan. Hook up yeah, Garrett. For, I can for sure hook that one up. The old goal, you'll get a, a ton of chuckles. Oh, he's him. he's every time. I mean, he's such a homer too, but he knows it, so that's funny. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I like, mean, that's why he picks the Canucks every year to win the to win the Stanley Cup. I know, I mean, right? You can't get him often, except for when he was doing the Canucks and the Flames back in the day. Then he'd pick them both, oh. depending <laughs> what broadcast he was on. Right, depending <laughs> on where the paycheck was coming from that week. You know, he knows where his bread is buttered. How, sure. how much uh, fraternizing with TSN? I talked to Ray about it a little 
while ago, and you know he signed a big deal at TSN. The Sportsnet people did approach him. Obviously, we know Sportsnet has the, the rights to the yeah. all the NHL games in Canada for for I think a hundred years, but. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, who knows? One day you could be at TSN, or how do you treat those guys? How do they treat you? How much goes on like with that kind of stuff? Well, you know, I, I think it's a little more divisive in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's because uh, you know our networks are based out of Toronto, but mm-hmm. I'm in Vancouver, and you know, the the, the TSN guy in Vancouver is Farhan Lolji. I get along with him great. Yep. I mean, I've been, I've never had a problem with any of the TSN guys. I mean, uh, even Dan O'Toole was there, uh, James Duffy. Right. Uh, you know, Bob McKenzie is very nice to me whenever I see him. For mm-hmm. all, you know, of course, yeah. I know him very well. Uh, Ian Mendez used to be a sports fan. I don't think there's one guy that I've had uh, a problem with uh, ever. Yeah. And I don't think that would ever be a, pro- be a problem with me. Uh, you know, do I want to, you know, kick their rear ends when trying to get a story of course but they want to do the same thing of course yeah yeah no i don't think that means like you, you have to be enemies yeah i'm friends with guys in other motocross magazines all day long like i just got yeah. back from bulgaria and i hung out with my, our main competitor you know what i mean yeah. and, and and yeah exactly i want to get things that he doesn't but whatever like yeah but it seems like and again maybe like you said this is more toronto centric and that's what i listen to hockey central leafs lunch uh this kind of stuff it does seem like there's more on that side where they're they're not necessarily buddies you know, no, no, because yeah. what was it? Was it Kiprios where he didn't quite understand direct message on Twitter <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, sending a tweet? Yeah. And it was a, those efforts at TSM. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? So I mean, that's I mean that there's intense competition there, and you know it's an uphill battle when you're when you're going up against a guy mm-hmm. like Bob McKenzie who's got a million Twitter followers and he's been doing this forever and is yeah. clearly uh, one of the best in the business at breaking stories or, or getting stories. So I think I mean I think there's got to be competition. It's got to be mm-hmm. healthy competition, but you really have to work hard. To get some of those sp- stories now, especially with uh, with uh, you know all the people in the business, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all the connections. So uh, I think there should be a healthy competition. That that, that I mean, I'm, I can't believe that if those guys saw each other at a bar, they wouldn't say hi. Yeah, yeah, good I mean, point. Maybe right? some guys hate some guys. Maybe there are, are certain relationships that don't work. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, I would have no problem saying hi to anyone. Uh, Jeff Williams at two under uh, two U N D R and Project Bags uh, hooked this up for us, and we want to thank Jeff for that. But also too, uh, one of the things that. Uh, Sean Pronger, um, Chris's brother, of course. Chris going in the Hall of Fame this weekend. I think he's going to wear a Coyote jersey, right? I think that's probably... <laughs> he should. Yeah, exactly. Should. Um, you wrote a book with him, and I, I told you before I hit record, I, just, I finished it a little while ago. Um, what a book, though. It's That's, that's a guy... That's the stuff that people, I think, enjoy hearing. Look, the life of a superstar is he. I read Grant Fear's book, and I can't remember two things from it because it was so bland and kind of just like whatever, like maybe, yeah. you know. Um, but he's one of the greatest goalies of all time. But but Sean Pronger's book, I mean, this is a guy that played literally all over the world, uh, had a nice cup of coffee in the NHL for a while, and, and had some incredible experiences along the way. Um, but uh, great job on that book. It was interesting. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was, it was called Journeyman, and I think that – I always joke that I could have written it without him because I'd heard all those bullshit stories a million times anyway. <laughs> right. So I could have wrote it, and then you know. But uh, you know, he's definitely. I think one thing that made made him able to handle the career of the one he had uh, was the fact he's got such a good sense of humor, and I think it helped him cope with a lot of the tough times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's certainly tougher probably on his, on his family. Getting called but, Chris um, every now and then. And stuff. Yeah, being called Chris, <laughs> Chris's brother. Right. You know, so. Uh, but yeah, he's got such a great sense of humor. I think that helped him deal with with a lot of that because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of players that that uh, don't get the recognition, don't make the money. Yeah, uh, and it's a lot. It's a lot. A lot more difficult trying to live a life normally. Uh, you know, so his story about the holdout with the, I think it was the Ducks. 
Yeah, his first year. Yeah. Like, so he's just like, why was I holding out? Right. Such an idiot. Right. You know? like, yeah, this didn't work out really like the way I thought it would. He's trying to get a one-way deal, I think, right? Yeah. Um, well, I think that the one that I laughed at the, the hardest with him was the one time that he got his paycheck, uh, and it was from the Islanders. He had no idea that his contract had been traded. Oh, that's was an Islanders logo on his paycheck. That's he right. Call his agent. Yeah. And then, said, hey, what happened? Because <laughs> yeah. they just wanted to get the get rid of a contract, and then the other one was when he asked to go. He was in the American Hockey League, and he asked to go down to the East Coast League, thinking that he'd go to the team that he was with the year before. Right. He thought that he was with a new That's franchise. Right. And he's like, "Wait a second! Wait. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not going." You guys thought it was Knoxville or was it Nashville or something? And he, in Knoxville, and he goes, "Oh, I'm going to San Diego. What's going on here?" Yeah, wait a minute. And they're like, "Yeah, we have an affiliation, dummy, with with an ECL team, ECHL team." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. he was like he wanted to go back to the uh, place where he, had, he was living in a, in a far, barn house or a farmhouse. farmhouse. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, what's next for you? What's um, obviously? I mean, I know your immediate schedule, but what do you want to do in the future? What do you hope to do? Uh, working towards and like, you know, in the in the media game, obviously you've been doing it a long time. You're one of the more respected voices out there. But yeah. what? Uh, I mean, you want to go national? Is that is that something you well, would do? I mean, I, I got a chance to do my first uh, my first uh, national playoff series uh, mm-hmm. last year. So it was the first time ever I've been doing the job. I didn't cover the Canucks in the playoffs as a reporter. I was doing I was hosting the Detroit Tampa Bay series. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to do more uh, national work. Uh, I think that's probably the main thing because I'm not interested in moving out of uh, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. My wife's got a great job there too, and yeah, you know, we why, had a couple chances to go you? to Toronto. It's Vancouver. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like if I could get some national work, that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do more national games, do more playoff series uh, as a host, not just as a reporter. Um, you know, maybe some more radio work at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm still. I've always said that I assess it every year, and I still love the travel. Uh, not being away from my family per se, but I love working with Shorthouse and Garrett, mm-hmm. and I couldn't imagine traveling this much and not like the people you work with. So uh, as long as I'm liking the people I work with and like the job, then I think I'll continue to do it. See, I've been doing it since 96, right? I travel about 40 weekends a year, three trips to Europe uh, for these races, and I got to say, like, starting to wear on me, man. The travel yeah, is starting well, to wear. I don't no fly question. a charter, though, but the travel yeah. is starting to get to me. Yeah, well, I don't want to disrespect the people in certain cities, but I do look a lot more forward to going to road trips to Chicago or New yeah, York yeah. or Anaheim, L.A. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those are the good ones. But it, it definitely can be difficult. There's no question being away that Well, much. I think, don't most teams stay in, in uh, Newport on that Marriott on, on the beach? Well, it depends how many days you have, okay. right? I mean, a lot of times you're playing back-to-back uh, with, uh, with L.A., yeah. so then they'll just stay at the in Costa Mesa. Uh, and then and then just bust LA after the game and stay at LA Live. But if they've got like three or four days, then you might stay out at that uh, Ritz Carlton in, uh, uh, in in Huntington, Del Mar, or Del Mar, or, or, yeah, Corona Del Mar, yeah, Corona Del Mar. So yeah, there's, there's definitely the, the hotels. I'm a hotel snob now because of this job. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, and and you stay with those guys, right? Like that's that's the gig. Like you stay yeah. where they do, right? Same hotel, so because you're on the bus I, and everything. So exactly. Yeah, so yeah, you're on a charter and you're staying in Corona Del Mar. You're fine, Dan. Yep. I get, I get it. I, I'm, I'm not uh, asking for sympathy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not asking for. I it. just got back from Bulgaria and I stayed in some hotel room that I'd rather not talk about. So, <laughs> um, you know, I get it. Well, hey, um, thank you for doing the Pulp, Pulp uh, Hockey Podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I know you know you don't know me at all and everything else, but I, I just uh, enjoy talking to guys. Like, I'm a big fan of hockey and watch a lot of it, and I think you've. Uh, Got some good stories and some good entertainment, Vancouver Canucks, of course, style. So thank you for doing this. All right, well, let's do it.
do it again sometime. Yeah, it'd be awesome. You say that, but I don't know if you really mean it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm changing my number as we speak. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and hey, people, go to 200, two, uh, the number 2UNDR.com. Ferraro 20 uh, saves you some money and the best underwear around. Uh, Dan Murphy, Sportsnet CA. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, thanks.